This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, Redemption. My name is Warren. I'm one of your pastors here, and I'm so glad to be with you on Christmas Eve as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. I'm so glad that you guys are here and joining us today. I see some of you guys holding your candles. We'll get there. We'll get there, I promise. Um, But man, uh, this year marks my ninth Christmas here in Arizona. Nine Christmases here in Arizona. Yeah, really grateful for it, man. As much as I love the East Coast and like the possibility of having a white Christmas, I hate the reality of it. Like, I hate shoveling. I I love the dissonance that happens here where it's like Christmas, but it's 80 degrees outside. I think it's awesome. Um, If your family's here visiting, you're welcome. But, you know, as, as Christmas season rolls around, as this time of the year rolls around, I often get to reflecting. I often get to thinking about life and just Christmases past. And man, if there was one Christmas that stands out head and shoulders above the rest, it was actually during my first year here in Arizona. Some of you guys are wondering, well, why was it significant? What made it significant? Was it the fact that you were away from family, away from friends, away from all the traditions you were used to and you were sad by it? And I would go, yeah, all those things were true, but I definitely wasn't sad about it. I was actually really happy to be away from all that. I had gotten tired of just the the hustle and bustle of Christmas, right? The going from place to place, having to go to everybody's events, right? The the feeling of like forced happiness on the day. The fact that I was a terrible gift giver, right? And so I was tired of giving people bad gifts and I bet they were tired of getting them from me. And so during that first Christmas here, I was like, all right, I'm going to finally do this my way. I'm going to do this my way. And so what I did, you know, I was working a nice job at the time, and so I could go out and, and you know, as they say, treat yourself. Um, and so I treated myself, and I got myself some Beats by Dre headphones. Those were like the, the popular thing at the time. And I remember I had, um, I, was, I was living in my own place. I had a bachelor pad with just like a TV and a couch, because that's really all you need, let's be honest. And so I was there, and finally the day came. And so I'm chilling. I'm listening to my Beats by Dre headphones. I'm like, oh, this is great. It's perfect. All that hard stuff, gone. And so as the day goes on, you know, I get hungry. And I'm like, you know what? I got to go grab a bite to eat. Remember, it's a bachelor pad. I have nothing in my fridge, right? And even if I did, I didn't want to cook. And so what I did is I looked up restaurants in the area, right? I was like, all right, what's open? And I remember looking and seeing like there weren't a lot of restaurants open. I remember even being slightly annoyed by that, right? But as I looked up restaurants in the area, I saw that there was one open, one that was like old faithful for me. What was that restaurant? That restaurant was Church's Chicken. (laughs) Church's Chicken. Some of you guys are people of taste, I can tell. (laughs) Church's Chicken. It was a Church's Chicken on Rule and Baseline. I'm not sure if it's still there because my diet has vastly improved since then. But at that time, like I didn't go to church, but I would definitely hit up a Church's Chicken, right? And so I was like, all right, perfect. Old Faithful's open. And so I got in my car. I go there. I'm driving there. I'm going through the drive-thru. I order the extra hot and greasy, whatever. And so I put in my order. And man, as I get to the pickup window, right, it feels like time almost slowed down a bit. Feels like time almost came to a pause in some way. Because as I was picking up my food from the employee there, I could tell there was like a conversation that happened between me and the employee that needed no words. And the conversation went like this. We both don't want to be here. We both don't want to be where we are right now. For them, 
I could tell they didn't want to work on Christmas. And they were mad that a fool like me actually showed up, right? And for me, it was during that season in my life where I was the most disconnected from my faith, disconnected from health in all sorts of ways, disconnected from the person I used to be in all sorts of ways. And so I felt a great deal of emptiness. And what I like to call that moment for me in my faith journey is the church's chicken moment. The church's chicken moment in my faith journey. It was during that moment when I came to a really important realization about life. Hear me now. Your possessions can grow. Your comforts can grow. You can get all the hard stuff out of your life, and yet you can still feel utterly disconnected from peace. Utterly disconnected from peace. And so peace is this thing that we're all searching for. We're all on a journey to find it, but where do we go to find and to nurture the gift of peace in our lives? That's what we'll be exploring today. But before we do that, would you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for this evening as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. I pray now, Lord, as we open up your word, open up our hearts to receive it. Help us to see you more clearly, Lord, and to just be blessed by the gift that is your word. In your name, amen. All right, so we are going to read, I'm going to start in Luke 2, and we're going to just reread those verses John just lovely read in his turtleneck there. I love that. Um, we are going to, I'm just going to reread verses 13 to 17. It goes like this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, that the Lord has made known to us. And then, and they with haste, and found, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So what's the first thing we see? First thing we see is this. In the arrival of Jesus at Christmas, we celebrate that we find and receive the gift, the gift of peace. The arrival of Jesus at Christmas, we find and receive the gift of peace. And so during this Christmas season, as Jim alluded to, we've been exploring this topic of how peace comes to our world, how Jesus' arrival brings peace to our world. And so we've looked at how he brings peace to our world in a big picture. Right? And then we got even more granular, and we looked at how he brings peace to our cities. And then we looked at how he brings peace to our homes and our family dynamics. And tonight, we're going to dive into how he brings peace into our individual lives, our personal lives. And so what do we see happening in the passage? Well, what we see is that the angels, they show up to the shepherds and they proclaim all of what God has done in sending Christ. And they proclaim this message of peace that has arrived. And so the shepherds receive that message of peace. And then what do we see them doing? They go and they follow the star and they find Mary, Joseph, Jesus, the animals, whoever else was there. It was probably a lot of people. And they go and tell them about this message of peace. They tell them all the things that the angels had told them, right, including this proclamation of peace. And so the angels proclaim peace, right? But what does it mean? What is that peace that we celebrate in Christmas that the angels proclaim? It can't be the way that we think about it, right? Because often when we think about peace, what we think about is the absence of conflict, we think about the removal of hard things that are in our lives. We think about actions and environments, right? For some of us, it's like, I have peace as long as I have my lo-fi beats on. 
So others, others of us are like, I have peace when I escape to the woods, right? I don't know why some people like to do that, but I heard it's a thing, you know? I heard it's a thing. Somebody was trying to tell me to go to the woods and it, it'd be relaxing. I said, you must not know me. Right, but we think in terms of actions and environments, but when we look at where peace is proclaimed in our passage, it is proclaimed and received in anything but a comfortable environment. It's proclaimed to people who live in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a nothing of nothing cities. It was like Eloy or Apache Junction. And if you're from those places, you gotta forgive me, all right, I'm sorry. But their physical conditions were anything but comfortable. And when Jesus arrived, it's not like everything just got magically better. And so the concept, what's proclaimed here in Scripture about peace must be different than the way we often think about it. And so what what is it? What is this peace that's proclaimed in Christmas? Well, it's the peace of a relationship restored. It's the peace that our hearts can be made new. It's a peace that the most important relationship to us, our relationship with God that has been fractured, can be restored. And so why is this needed? Well, it's needed because of the problem of sin. What is sin? Sin is all the ways that we as humanity have rejected God's way in our lives. We've said, God, we don't want you. We don't want your way. We don't want your commands. We don't want your control. And we want to do things our way. And so sin creates this distance. And us in our humanity, we can't close that distance. We need someone to step in the gap, right? That's the bad news. You see, the good news is that this baby that we celebrate on Christmas, he's not going to remain a baby forever. He's going to grow up, and he's going to go to a cross. And through his life, death, and resurrection, all the ways that we have been disconnected from God will be bridged. He will be our peace. He will reconnect us to the relationship that we were created for. You see, peace, we think in terms of actions and environments, but really it's about position. It's it's about the relationship of being with God and his presence in our lives that actually is the peace that we need. You know, it's the peace that we often, that we, or or the, the peace that we need, but not often the one that we look for. If we're being honest, we can go far and wide in our search for peace. Right, I read this story a couple of weeks in this book I picked up, and it was about uh, the intersection. The book's about the intersection of psychology and money, and in it, the author, he tells this story about the Apollo 12 mission to the moon. And so on this mission, the crew, they go out and they get to the moon, and two of the astronauts on that mission, one is named Al Bean, and the other is named Pete Conrad, right? And so Bean and Conrad, they get out, and they're doing the moonwalk thing, not that one, the, you know, the regular moonwalk. And as they're out there, right, as they're out there walking on the moon, Al gets on the communication system, and he talks, he, he talks to Pete, and he says, hey, Pete, you know what this, you know what this experience is like? It's kind of like that song. Is that all that there is? Now, how do you think Pete responded to that? Do you think he was like, Al, dude, we're on the moon, Like, there's nothing more incredible somebody could be doing right now. No, actually, it says that um, Pete was like, yeah, actually, thank you for saying that, because walking on the moon didn't hit me as profoundly as I thought it would. 
And so I guess you could say for these guys, they were on the moon, but they weren't over the moon about it. <laughs> I'll be here all night, literally, till, till midnight. But these guys, right, they're on this mission, this mission that they probably think would be the, the one that was going to bring the ultimate fulfillment, bring the ultimate satisfaction. And they got there and they were kind of just like, meh. And isn't that like what it's like for us? As we search from thing to thing, purchases, promotions, possessions, whatever it is, and we think that that's going to be the thing that's finally going to bring us peace. And in reality, it just becomes another thing. You know, it's interesting that there's this deep depression when it comes to astronauts, right? Because I think for them, what happens, right, is they go off and do the most amazing thing anyone can do. Right? Like if you're in a room and you're sharing stories and someone goes like, hey, I walked on the moon. Dude, everyone else's story is Im immediately second rate. Like no one cares about your Spartan race anymore. It's over. <laughs> right? But these guys, they go and they do the most amazing thing and they get there. And I think what they find out is you can search every single corner on this earth. You can even go to space and you won't find peace in any of those places. Because the gift that you are looking for, the peace that you are looking for, it can't be bought. It can't be earned. It can't be self-generated. It can't be manifested. It's one that must be received. And here's the beauty of it. What we celebrate in Christmas is that the Prince of Peace has come to find us. Right? We think that we have to go and find him, but he has actually come to find you and I. That's why, for me, sometimes that term of finding God, right? As sometimes in its good intentions, as good as intention as it may be, it's kind of misleading. Because it implies like God is hiding from us. But God is not hiding from us. We are the ones who hide. We hide in our shame. We hide in our insecurity. We hide in our desire to control things. And we kind of just look like Adam and Eve as they were hiding in the garden, trying to cover themselves up with leaves. But their good news is that there was a God who came to clothe them. And what we celebrate in Christmas is that there is a God who has come to clothe us with the gift of his peace. And so what do we need? What do we need to actually receive this gift? All we need is need. You see, for some of us today, you got to have that church's chicken moment. That church's chicken moment. Because really what that moment was, was the, the, the first step on a long road to the end of myself. And eventually that moment led me right here. I used to sit right back there in those pews. And when I walked into this church, my life was a total mess, so many different ways, right? And what was going on inside of me, what, the best way I can kind of sum it up was there was this silent war happening inside of me. There was a battle happening inside of me, a battle for purpose, a battle searching for value, a battle searching for meaning, a battle with my past. And I know what is true is that for some of you today, that battle's happening inside of you as well. For some of you today, you're in a battle to find meaning and purpose in your life. And what you're doing is you're doing like the astronauts did. You're going far and wide, searching every single corner. You're looking in accomplishments. You're looking in relationships. You're looking in possessions. You're looking in all these things, and you're still feeling unfulfilled. 
The void remains because the void that you are looking to fill can only be filled with the love of God. It can only be filled with the peace of God. And here's the truth of it. You can't go around God to get to peace. You cannot go around God to get to peace. Any other peace that you find outside of him will be temporary and conditional. But when you anchor yourself to the God of the universe, when you are anchored with him, you receive an eternal anchor for your soul that's lasting, that your feet can be firmly planted on. And so my encouragement to you would be don't settle for a temporary solution when you can be transformed by the peace of God. But others of you, the battle's different. The battle may be with some shame. The battle may be with regret over some decision that has happened in your past. Some decision that up until this moment feels like it just looms largely over your life, like it overshadows your everyday, and maybe you're able to hide it from everyone else, but you can't hide it from yourself. And as you look in the mirror each time, you see it. Here's the beauty of the gift of peace that Jesus offers. Here's the beauty of it, is that for him to make peace with God, for him to be our peace, he had to carry all our sins to the cross. He carried the weight. And so what that means is that if that's you today, you're carrying a weight that Jesus has already nailed to the cross. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in healing. You don't have to let the worst decision that you've made be what defines your life. God can redeem your story. The beautiful thing I've heard recently about God being the God over creation is this. He can grow flowers anywhere. He can grow flowers anywhere, even in the soil of your story. So the invitation is to come to him and to be made whole, to come and find the peace that we can find nowhere else. And so on Christmas, we celebrate that this peace has come to us. We celebrate that this gift has been received. But here's the thing, right? With any gift that we get, we often want to try and figure out, like, how to get the best of it. How do we get the best of our gifts, right? Like when I was younger, I got a PlayStation and I got Metal Gear Solid and I went and like bought all the gamer magazines so I could figure out how to beat that game. It was really hard, right? And so how do we get the best of the gift of peace? How do we see it grow in our lives? Well, let's pick up with me again in Luke 2 and we're gonna go verses 18 and 19. It says this, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them, in her heart. What do we see about peace? How do we get peace to grow in our lives? Well, the peace that arrives with Jesus at Christmas is one that becomes a cherished gift throughout our lives. And here's the truth about it, right? As we cherish God, as we treasure God, peace becomes a treasure in our lives. As we cherish God, peace becomes treasure in our lives. There's, an, there's a Christian hip-hop artist I know that made a song once that went, no God, no peace. And so if you want to check him out, just find him on Spotify. And um, I'm just kidding. That's me. But if you, guys all stream, if you guys all streamed it, I'll make a dollar. So, you know, it's no big deal. And so, <laughs> oh, man, it's sad. Um, so... <laughs> Mary and Joseph and all the other people in the room, right, they received this message of peace, right, that peace has come to them. They received this message of, from the shepherds. And what Luke points out, what the gospel writer Luke points out, is that there are different responses in the room. 
right? For some people in the room, for, mo- for the majority of the room, when they heard the message that the shepherd shared, they just went into complete wonder mode, right? It says that they wondered at what they heard. And so we can just, you know, surmise, maybe they were asking questions of like, how many angels were there? What did they look like? Does this maybe finally mean that Rome, the, the, the empire that's been crushing us, is finally going to be, you know, overcome? Some of them may have been asking questions like some of you guys would be asking tomorrow in your heads, like, how long are these people going to stay here? It's pretty tight in here. I hope they're not planning to stay. They already said the thing. Come on. Right? But they're asking all these questions, right? They go into wonder mode. But what Luke says is that Mary, Mary has a quite different response. What does it say? It says that she pondered up and treasured these things in her heart. So what do we see in Mary's response there? What we see is that she didn't try to figure out everything that was happening around her from A to Z. She didn't try to figure it all out. Instead, she received the message of peace and she meditated on it in her heart. Right? Even though they were beyond her comprehension at the time, because who was ultimately proclaiming and delivering this message the words could be trusted. God's word could be trusted. And you know what? As as we look at how Mary, the position she was in when she cherished peace, it really teaches us something about important about God's peace. It teaches us this, that God's peace does not require success or a comfortable life to assure us of his presence. God's peace does not require success or a comfortable life to assure us of his presence. When we think about Mary's life, right, oftentimes we have the nice, neat uh, nativity scene in our, in our minds. But Mary's, this situation is anything but nice and neat. Think about Mary's situation. Teenage mom. Part of this oppressed people group as Rome is over them. Having a baby in a barn or an inn, whatever it was, it wasn't banner, Right? She has all the odds stacked against her, but yet in, that, in, that, in those circumstances, she's able to cherish this gift of peace. Again, reminding us that God's peace does not require success or a comfortable life to assure itself of his presence. Right? And we've seen this over and over throughout history. We've seen it time and time again throughout history. You think about the lives of some of the notable believers throughout history, like people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Corey Ten Boom, those are folks who held their faith, held their peace in the face of Nazi Germany and Hitler. Think about MLK in our country, same situation, the face of death, in the face of all the threats and things that he faced, held his peace, held his faith. And you know, while I love those folks and I really appreciate how they embody their faith, right? To be honest, like I didn't get to see their lives up close. I wasn't alive when they were alive. And even if I wasn't alive, they probably weren't going to be my friends, right? It's just not that they were mean or anything. I just don't know people like that, you know? But the way that I've seen this piece displayed is much more close up and personal. It's much more intimate. And the, the, the situation where I saw this piece displayed really clearly is, was when I sat with this lady named Pauline. Who was Pauline? Pauline was the mother of one of my childhood best friends and his older brother, both of whom tragically died one month apart from each other. And so the the time came for us to visit her and we wanted to just pray with her and offer her some encouragement. And man, I remember what it was like walking through those doors. 
And I, I just thought like, man, she's gonna be totally unraveling. Right? Can you just imagine going through that, one of the most unimaginable situations that any parent could ever experience? And I just remember sitting with her and after sharing some words with her, sharing some prayers, I remember it was her time to talk. And I remember when she spoke, I was rocked. Because there wasn't one word that left that lady's mouth that wasn't in worship of who God is, that wasn't in worship of his goodness. And here's what I know. It wasn't that she was just being stoic. It wasn't that she was just like having a tough upper lip or whatever you call it. It was clear that she had had an experience with the God who draws near to us when we're crushed in our spirits. And so... You know, people like her, right? What we look at people like Bonhoeffer, MLK, or even people like Pauline, we look at them and what we see is that they have what scripture calls the peace that surpasses understanding, right? But when we look at them, we often look at them as superhumans. We're like, how did they do that? They're just different. But the truth of the matter is, is that they're not just different. The same peace and power that's available to them and that they are tapping into is available to us as well. They had the peace that surpasses understanding. But how does that come about? Well, let's break it down. How it comes about. It comes about when cherishing God and worshiping him for who he is, remembering his unchanging goodness becomes more important than fully understanding everything that may be happening in our lives. You see, I often talk about wanting this kind of peace. But if I'm being honest, when a hard thing comes in my life, I want to figure out how everything is going to happen from A to Z. Right? And often, I want my understanding to surpass simply trusting in God's goodness. I read a quote once by this guy named J.H. Joette. He goes, he said, faith focuses on the present moment rather than the whole journey. It's about trusting and acting on God's current instructions rather than understanding the entire journey. Faith means doing what God asks of us now and trusting him with the outcome and path forward. And so how do we grow this gift of peace in our lives? How do we cherish the gift of peace in our lives? I'm going to give you four ways to see this gift grow in your life. First way is this, is that we got to give God our attention. And we got to give God our attention more than we do our worries. What do our worries reveal? Our worries reveal the things that we think are bigger than God. And oftentimes in our minds, we're going to the worst nightmare scenario as if the worst nightmare is going to be greater than God's love for us. And so what we want to do is, is give God our attention, is to meet him and allow him to remind us of the peace that we have because of his eternal presence with us. And we meet him in his word. We meet him through prayer. We meet him through his people, not, so just, not just so that we can be like good church-going Christians, but that's so that we can be reminded of our identity. And so we give God our attention. What else? Second thing we can do to cherish and grow this gift in our life is to embrace the present moment. Embrace the now. Remember that God is active in your life right now. I see hundreds of people in this room tonight. God is active in all your lives. He's doing something in your life. And so the question is never, God, are you here with me? The question is, God, what are you up to right now? What are you up to in my life? We often, you know, we, we, we try to escape the present moment. Maybe we look back or look forward, but we try to escape the present moment. I think sometimes it's because of hard things, but other times it's just because life is a grind. 
Life can be really hard. And in the grind of it, maybe we think that God is not Emmanuel. He's with us, though. And so my encouragement to you is that if you're feeling that today, don't let the grind steal your worship. Worship him now. What else? There's another reality. If we want to cherish peace and see it grow in our lives, is to recognize that peace grows through adversity. Peace grows through tough times. There are, it's, it's not that we are like going out and trying to find hard things for the sake of finding hard things, right? There's just this reality that if we are followers of Jesus, there are going to be hard things for us to face. But the encouragement for us today is as we go through the hard things, there is a God who will be with us. Right? Oftentimes we may look at mature believers and we might go, how did they do it? I can tell you exactly how they did it. How they did it is they worshiped through the hard stuff. And that produced endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's spirit has been poured out for us, reminding us of his love for us. Reminding us that he is with us, come what may. And so we go through the difficult things. And here's the, the goal of that. It's not to go through the difficult things to be hardened, but it's actually to become sensitive. Sensitive to God's presence in your life. Amen? Last thing. Remember, as we do all this, as we live our lives, right, as we pursue following Jesus, is that we remember that before we loved him, before we ever cherished him, he cherished us. We were against him. We were sinners. We were enemies of him. And God sent his son to die for us. And so before we were ever cherishing God, we, he cherished us. He loved us. He moved towards us. And so we live from the foundation of his love. We live in the grips of his love. gives us his peace from his love to go with us wherever we go. And so what is Christmas? Christmas is a testament of God's love for us. That's what it is. Christmas is a testament of God's love for us. It reminds us what we like to say around here, that God loved us so much that he put on flesh and moved into our neighborhood. And when he came to our neighborhood, he didn't come empty-handed. He came with the ultimate gift of peace. Here's the last thing I'll say about peace, right? Is that we're going to receive a lot of gifts through this Christmas and over the, you know, throughout the years, and we'll receive a lot of good things throughout the years. But really, a lot of those gifts will, in some ways, go from shiny to obscurity, right? But the gift of peace that we receive and celebrate at Christmas is the only one that is guaranteed to grow in significance in your life as you continue to place your trust in Jesus, it keeps getting better and better with time. While some gifts, while most gifts will go from shine to shadow, the gift of peace that comes from Jesus will take us from one degree of glory to another. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of peace that has come in your arrival that we celebrate in Christmas, Lord, that you have come in all the ways, Lord, that we feel disrupted. God, we can find our rest in you. And so, God, this year, this year, and, and as we go into next year, God, allow us to receive, to remember that gift, a peace is a gift to be received, and it comes from your hands. 
Lord, we thank you that you have come and that we celebrate that you have arrived in Christmas and you have come bringing us the thing that we are all searching for. You have found us when we weren't looking for you. And so, God, we give you the glory, we give you the thanks, and we give you the praise. In your name, amen.